the phenomena of sexual periodicity part three section three of studies in the psychology of sex volume one by havelock ellis this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. read by john thomas coos the phenomena of sexual periodicity part three section three it has long been known that the occurrence of insanity follows an annual curve, and though our knowledge of this curve, being founded on the date of admissions to asylums, cannot be said to be quite precise. It fairly corresponds to the outbreaks of acute insanity. The curve presented in chart 4 shows the admissions to the London County Council Lunatic Asylums during the years 1893 to 1897 inclusive. I have arranged it in two-month periods to neutralize unimportant oscillations. In order to show that this curve is not due to local or accidental circumstances, we may turn to France and take a special and chronic form of mental disease. Garnier, in his Folie à Paris, presents an almost exactly similar curve of the admissions of cases of general paralysis to the infirmier spécial à Paris during the years 1886 to 88, chart 5. Both curves alike show a major climax in spring and a minor climax in autumn. Crime, in general, in temperate climates, tends to reach its maximum at the beginning of the hot season, usually in June. Thus, in Belgium, the minimum is in February, the maximum in June, thence gradually diminishing. Lentz, Bulletin Société, Médecins Mental Belgique, March 1901. In France, La Cassagne has summated the data extending over more than forty years, and finds that for all crimes, June is the maximum month, the minimum being reached in November. He also gives the figures for each class of crime separately, and every crime is found to have its own yearly curve. Poisonings show a chief maximum in May, with slow fall and a minor climax in December. Assassinations have a February and a November climax. Patricides culminate in May-June, and in October, La Cassagne's tables are given by Laurent, Les Habitués de Prison de Paris, Chapter 1. Notwithstanding the general tendency for crime to reach its maximum in the first hot month, a tendency not necessarily due to the direct influence of heat, we also find, when we consider the statistics of crime generally, including sexual crime, that there is another tendency for minor climaxes in spring and autumn. Thus, in Italy, Penta, taking the statistics of nearly 4,000 crimes, murder, highway robbery, and sexual offenses, found the maximum in the first summer months. But there were also minor climaxes in spring and in August and September. Penta Revista Monsil de Psychiatria, 1899. In nearly all Europe, as shown by a diagram given by Lombroso and Lachy at the end of the first volume of Le Crime Politique, 
while the chief climaxes occur about july there is in most countries a distinct tendency to spring usually about march and autumn september and november climaxes though they rarely rise as high as the july climax if we consider the separate periodicity of sexual offences we find that they follow the rule for crimes generally and usually show a chief maximum in early summer aschaffenburg finds that the annual periodicity of the sexual impulse appears more strongly marked the more abnormal its manifestations which he places in the following order of increasing periodicity conceptions in marriage conceptions out of marriage offences against decency rape assaults on children centrale blay for never january nineteen o three in france rapes and offences against modesty are most numerous in may june and july as virme la cassagne and others have shown May, investigating one thousand such cases, found a gradual ascent in frequency, only slightly broken in March, to a maximum in June, oscillating between May and July, when the years are considered separately, and then a gradual descent to a minimum in December. Legludique gives, for the 159 cases he had investigated, a table showing a small February-March climax, and a large June-August maximum, the minimum being reached in November-January. Le Goudique, Attendant au Marus, 1896, page 16. In Germany, Aschaffenburg finds that sexual offenses begin to increase in March and April, reach a maximum in June or July, and fall to a minimum in winter. Monat Schrift für Psychiatrie, 1903, Heft 2. In Penta, shows that sexual offenses reach a minor climax in May, corresponding, in his experience, with the maximum for crimes generally, as well as with the maximum for conceptions, and a more marked climax in August-September. Penta, 1, Perventimenti Sessuali, 1893, page 115, ID Revista Mensuale de Psychiatrie, uh, 1899. Coe, in his crime en paix presents charts of the seasonal distribution of crime in Guadalupe with relation to temperature, which show that while in a mild temperature like that of France and England, crime attains its maximum in the hot season. It is not so in a more tropical climate in July. When in Guadalupe the heat attains its maximum degree, crime of all kind falls suddenly to a very low minimum. Even in the United States, where the summer heat is often excessive, it tends to produce a diminution of crime. Dexter, in an elaborate study of the relationship of conduct to the weather, shows that in the United States, assaults present the maximum of frequency in April and October, with a decrease during the summer and the winter. The unusual and interesting fact demonstrated here, with a certainty that cannot be doubted, is, he concludes, that the unseasonably hot days of spring and autumn are the pugnacious ones, even though the actual heat be much less than for summer. We might infer from this that conditions of heat, up to a certain extent, are vitalizing, while 
at the same time irritating but above that limit heat is so devitalizing in its effects as to leave hardly energy enough to carry on a fight e g dexter conduct and the weather eighteen ninety nine page sixty three at sequence it is not impossible that the phenomena of seasonal periodicity in crimes may possess a real significance in relation to sexual periodicity if as is possible the occurrence of spring and autumn climaxes of criminal activity is due less to any special exciting causes at these seasons than to the depressing influences of heat and cold in summer and winter it may appear reasonable to ask whether the spring and autumn climaxes of sexual activity are not really also largely due to a like depressing influence of extreme temperatures at the other two seasons not only is there periodicity in criminal conduct but even within the normal range of good and bad conduct seasonal periodicity may still be traced in his physical and industrial training of criminals h d way gives charts of the conduct of seven prisoners during several years as shown by the marks received these charts show that there is a very decided tendency to behavior during summer and winter while in spring february march and april and in autumn august september and october there are very marked falls to bad conduct each individual tending to adhere to a conduct curve of his own way does not himself appear to have noticed this seasonal periodicity morrow however has investigated this question in turin on a large scale and reaches results not very dissimilar from those shown by way's figures in new york he noted the months in which over four thousand punishments were inflicted on prisoners for assaults insults threatening language etc and shows the annual curve in tavola six of his caratteri de delinquenti there is a marked and isolated climax in may a still more sudden rise leads to the chief maximum of punishment in august and from the minimum in october there is rapid ascent during the two following months to a climax much inferior to that of may the seasonal periodicity of bad conduct in prisons is of interest as showing that we cannot account for psychic periodicity by invoking exclusively social causes this theory of psychic periodicity has been seriously put forward but has been investigated and dismissed so far as crime in holland is concerned by j r b de Roos in the transactions of the sixth congress of criminal anthropology at turin in nineteen o six Archivo di Psychiatria, Fash 3, 1906. The general statistics of suicides in continental Europe show a very regular and unbroken curve attaining a maximum in June and a minimum in December, the curve rising steadily through the first six months, sinking steadily through the last six months, but always reaching a somewhat greater height in May than in July. Morselli shows that in various European countries there is always a rise in spring and in autumn, October or November. Morselli attributes these spring and autumn rises to the influence of the strain of the early heat and the early cold. In England also, if we take a very large number of statistics, for instance, the figures for London during the 20 years between 1865 and 1884 as given by Ogle in a paper read 
before the Statistical Society in 1886, we find that although the general curve has the same maximum and minimum points, it is interrupted by a break on each side of the maximum, and these two breaks occur precisely at about March and October. This is shown in the curve in chart 6, which presents the daily average for the different months. The growth of children follows an annual rhythm. Wall, the director of an educational establishment for homeless girls in Denmark, who investigated this question, found that the increase of weight for all the ages investigated was constantly about 33%, greater in the summer half-year than in the winter half-year. It was noteworthy that even the children who had not reached school age, and therefore could not be influenced by school life, showed a similar, though slighter, difference in the same direction. It is, however, Maling Henson, the director of an institution for deaf-mutes in Copenhagen, who has most thoroughly investigated this matter over a great many years. He finds that there are three periods of growth throughout the year, marked off in a fairly sharp manner, and that during each of these periods, the growth in weight and height shows constant characteristics. From about the end of November up to about the end of March is a period when growth both in height and weight proceeds at a medium rate, reaching neither a maximum nor a minimum. Increase in weight is slight, the increase in height, although trifling, preponderating. After this follows a period during which the children show a marked increase in height, while increase in weight is reduced to a minimum. The children constantly lose in weight during this period of growth in height almost as much as they gain in the preceding period. This period lasts from March and April to July and August, then following the third period, which continues until November and December. During this period, increase in height is very slight, being at its early minimum. Increase in weight, on the other hand, at the beginning of the period, in September and October, is rapid and to the middle of December very considerable, daily increase in weight being three times as great as during the winter months. Thus, it may be said that the spring sexual climax corresponds roughly with growth in height and arrest of growth in weight, while the autumn climax corresponds roughly with a period of growth in weight and arrest of growth in height. Maling Hansen found that slight variations in the growth of the children were often dependent on changes in temperature, in such a way that a rise of temperature, even lasting for only a few days, caused an increase of growth, and a fall of temperature, a decrease in growth. At Hal, Schmidt Menard found that nearly all growth in weight took place in the second half of the year, and that the holidays made little difference. In America, Peckham has shown that increase of growth is chiefly from the 1st of May to the 1st of September. Among young girls in St. Petersburg, Jenchko found that increase in weight takes place in summer. Gopal found that increase in height takes place mostly during the first eight months of the year, reaching a maximum in August, declining during the autumn and winter, in February being nil, while in March there is sometimes loss in weight even in healthy children. In the course of a study as to the consumption of bread in normal schools during each month of the year, as illustrating the relationship between intellectual work and nutrition, B. 
Binet presents a number of curves which bring out results to which he makes no allusion, as they are outside his own investigation. Almost without exception, these curves show that there is an increase in the consumption of bread in spring and in autumn. The spring rise being in February, March, and April, the autumn rise in October or November. There are, however, certain fallacies in dealing with institutions like normal schools, where the conditions are not perfectly regular throughout the year, owing to vacations, etc. It is, therefore, instructive to find that under the monotonous conditions of prison life, precisely the same spring and autumn rises are found. Binet takes the consumption of bread in the women's prison at Clermont, where some 400 prisoners, chiefly between the ages of 30 and 40, are confined, and he presents two curves for the years, 1895 and 1896. The curves for these two years show certain marked disagreements with each other, but both unite in presenting a distinct rise in April, preceded and followed by a fall, and both present a still more marked autumn rise, in one case in September and November, in the other case in October. Some years ago, Sir J. Crichton Brown stated that a manifestation of the sexual stimulus of spring is to be found in the large number of novels read during the month of March, Address in Psychology at the annual meeting of the British Medical Association, Leeds, 1889, Lancet, August 14, 1889. The statement was supported by figures furnished by lending libraries and has been widely copied. It would certainly be interesting if we could so simply show the connection between love and season by proving that when the birds began to sing their notes, the young person's fancy naturally turns to brood over the pictures of mating in novels. I accordingly applied to Mr. Cappell Shaw, chief librarian of the Birmingham Free Libraries, especially referred to by Sir J. Crichton Brown, who furnished me with the reports for 1896 and 1897-98. This latter report is carried on to the end of March 1898. The readers who use the Birmingham Free Lending Libraries are about 30,000 in number. They consist very largely of young people between the ages of 14 and 25. Somewhat less than half are women. Certainly, we seem to have here a good field for the determination of this question. The monthly figures for each of the ten Birmingham libraries are given separately, and it is clear at a glance that without exception the maximum number of readers of prose fiction at all the libraries during 1897-98 to is found in the month of March. I have chiefly taken into consideration the figures for 1897-98. to The figures for 1896 are somewhat abnormal and irregular probably owing to a decrease in readers, attributed to increased activity in trade, and partly to a disturbing influence caused by the opening of a large new library in the course of the year, certainly increasing the number of readers, and drafting off borrowers from some kind of other libraries. Not only so, but there is a second or autumnal climax, almost equaling the spring climax, and occurring with equal certainty, appearing during 1897 to 98, either in October or November, and during 1896, constantly in October. Thus, the periodicity of the rate of consumption 
of prose fiction corresponds with the periodicity which is found to occur in the conception rate and in sexual ecbolic manifestations it is necessary however to examine somewhat more closely the tables presented in these reports and to compare the rate of the consumption of novels with that of the other classes of literature in the first place if instead of merely considering the consumption of novels per month we make allowance for the varying length of the months and consider the average daily consumption per month the supremacy of march at once vanishes february is really the month during which most novels are read during the first quarter of eighteen ninety eight except at two libraries where february and march are equal the result is similar if we ascertain the daily averages for the first quarter in eighteen ninety seven while in eighteen ninety six which however as i have already remarked is a rather abnormal year the daily average for march in many of the libraries falls below that for january as well as for february again when we turn to the other classes of books we find that this predominance which february possesses and to some extent shares with march and january by no means exclusively applies to novels it is not only shared by both music and poetry which would fit in well with the assumption of a sexual nisus but the department of history biography voyages and travels shares it also with considerable regularity so also does that of arts sciences and natural history and it is quite well marked in theology moral philosophy etc and in juvenile literature we even have to admit that the promptings of the sexual instinct bring an increased body of visitors to the reference library where there are no novels for here also both the spring and autumnal climaxes are quite distinct certainly this theory carries us a little too far the main factor in producing this very marked annual periodicity seems to me to be wholly unconnected with the sexual impulse the winter half of the year from the beginning of october to the end of march when outdoor life has lost its attractions and much time must be spent in the house is naturally the season for reading but during the two central months of winter december and january the attraction of reading meets with a powerful counter-attraction in the excitement produced by the approach of christmas and the increased activity of social life which accompanies and for several weeks follows christmas in this way the other four winter months october and november at the autumnal end and february and march at the spring end must inevitably present the two chief reading climaxes of the year and so the reports of lending libraries present us with figures which show a striking but fallacious resemblance to curves which are probably produced by more organic causes i am far from wishing to deny that the impulse which draws young men and women to imaginative literature is unconnected with the obscure promptings of the sexual instinct but until the disturbing influence i have just pointed out is eliminated i see no evidence here for any true seasonal periodicity possibly in prisons the value of which as laboratories of experimental psychology we have scarcely yet begun to realize more reliable evidence might be obtained and those french and other prisons where novels are freely allowed to the prisoners might yield evidence as regards the consumption of fiction as instructive as that yielded at clermont concerning the consumption of bread certain diseases show a very regular annual curve there is notably the case with scarlet fever 
Tager found in a London fever hospital a marked seasonal prevalence. There was a minor climax in May, repeated in July, and a great autumnal climax in October, falling to a minimum in December and January. This curve corresponds closely to that usually observed in London. It is not peculiar to London or to urban districts, for in rural districts we find nearly the same spring minor maximum and major autumnal maximum. In Russia, it is precisely the same. Many other epidemic diseases show very similar curves. An annual curve may be found in the expulsive force of the bladder, as measured by the distance to which the urinary stream can be projected. This curve, as ascertained for one case, is interesting in account of the close relationship between sexual and vesicle activity. After a minimum point in autumn, there is a rise through the early part of the year to a height maintained through spring and summer and reaching its maximum in August. This may be said to correspond with the general tendency found in some cases of nocturnal seminal emissions from a winter minimum to an autumn maximum. There is an annual curve in voluntary muscle strength. Thus, in Antwerp, where the scientific study of children is systematically carried out by a pedological bureau, Scheuten found that measured by the dynamometer, both at the ages of eight and nine, both boys and girls showed a gradual increase of strength from October to January, a fall from January to March, and a rise to June or July. March was the weakest month, June and July the strongest. Scheuten also found an annual curve for mental ability, as tested by power of attention, which for much of the year corresponded to the curve of muscular strength, being high during the cold winter months. Lobsian at Kiel, seeking to test Scheuten's results and adopting a different method so as to gauge memory as well as attention, came to conclusions which confirmed those of Scheuten. They found a very marked increase of ability in December and January, with a fall in April. April and May were the minimum months, while July and October also stood low. The inquiries of Scheuten and Lobsian thus seemed to indicate that the voluntary aptitudes of muscular and mental force in children reach their maximum at a time of year when most of the more or less involuntary activities we have been considering show a minimum of energy. If this conclusion should be confirmed by more extended investigations, it would scarcely be matter for surprise and would involve no true contradiction. It would, indeed, be natural to suppose that the voluntary and regulated activities of the nervous system should work most efficiently at those periods when they are least exposed to organic and emotional disturbance. So persistent a disturbing element in spring and autumn suggests that some physiological conditions underlie it and that there is a real metabolic disturbance at these times of the year. So few continuous observations have yet been made on the metabolic processes of the body that it is not easy to verify such a surmise with absolute precision. Edward Smith's investigations, so far as they go, support it. Perry Cost's long-continued observations of pulse frequency seem to show with fair regularity a maximum in early spring and another maximum in late autumn. I may also note that Haig, 
who has devoted many years of observations to the phenomena of uric acid excretion, finds that uric acid tends to be highest in the spring months, March, April, May, and lowest at the first onset of cold in October. Thus, while the sexual climaxes of spring and autumn are rooted in animal procreative cycles, which in man have found expression in primitive festivals, these again perhaps strengthening and developing the sexual rhythm, they yet have a wider significance. They constitute one among many manifestations of spring and autumn physiological disturbance corresponding with fair precision to the vernal and autumnal equinoxes. They resemble those periods of atmospheric tension, of storm and wind, which accompany the spring and autumn phases in the earth's rhythm, and they may fairly be regarded as ultimately a psychological reaction to those cosmic influences. End of the Phenomena of Sexual Periodicity, Part 3, Section 3. Recording by John Thomas Coos.